Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. I know you need no introduction, but, but you haven't been here in a year. So. Been a long time. so anyway, this is Brent Phillips, and he and his family, Brent and his family and his brother and mom were in this church for a long time, and, uh, and uh, uh, we ordained this guy. Oh, my goodness, how many years ago now? I have no idea. It's more than a decade. Oh, wow. Well, anyway, it's an honor uh, to have him here and to be your friend, brother. I just want to pray. Thank you. So glad you guys could come. Lord, thank you for Brent and his family. Uh, Lord, what a blessing they are. And uh, Lord, how they live their lives with faith. Lord, I pray that you extend that uh, today and extend your word and truth today and multiply that in our hearts together, Lord. Faith and trust in you. Uh, Lord, a sense of awe for you. Uh, Lord, pour out your joy and your freedom uh, through Brent and through your word today and into our hearts. And Lord, let there be hope and faith produced there. We love you, Lord. Thank you for Brent and his family. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. I, uh, I think about Pastor Derek often and uh, the, the, the sense of faithfulness that comes to my heart is huge. In this uh, day and age, I think back to the first time that I came um, to this church before it was called Crossroads, uh, and he was faithfully leading worship then with the same joy and smile and everything that he's doing today. Uh, That's a big deal. Uh, We don't often give medals for faithfulness, but we should. And uh, anyway, it's it's always such a privilege. to come here and preach. I never take it for granted. In fact, I always preach here thinking this will be my last one. In this cancel culture, I'm honestly surprised that you have not canceled me yet. I think I would have canceled me. When I think about some of the stuff I've done here, you guys are very gracious. So uh, just just amazing. Uh, If I could preach one thing, right? If this was the last thing uh, that I would preach and teach and uh, we've been through, you know, quite a journey over the past uh, year, and I'm going to talk about that for the first time next week uh, publicly. So bring uh, your friends, your animals. Do you know that we used to allow dogs in this church? One of the best stories uh, Pastor Steve ever told me. We used to allow dogs because you know dogs go to heaven, and and then one time two dogs started fighting during the sermon, and then no more dogs. So those two dogs, whoever they were, ruined it for everybody, okay? But uh, the gospel, the good news, who could do with some good news? Sometimes we get so Christian and so professional that we just forget to enjoy. Yesterday, I celebrated my 16th anniversary. And uh, isn't that wonderful? And... uh, my trainer was saying, well, what are you doing for your wife? And I said, nothing. She's like, what? But it's your anniversary. I said, we don't celebrate anniversaries. And she's like, are you Jehovah's Witness or you know, what's going on? And I'm like, no, we celebrate all the time. We live a life of celebration. So I've never had my wife mad at me like, oh, you forgot our anniversary. In fact, we are so in love that her and I slept in different hotels last night just to make sure that our marriage is real. 
And uh, the way it worked out, we didn't have enough space. I was in the St. Regis. She was at the Hyatt. And uh, we're still in love today. It's amazing. But uh, the gospel is good news. And like a marriage, you can be married for a long period of time and forget just how much fun it is to be together. You get into work mode. You get into, okay, you've got to take the kids here. I've got to do this. You've got to do this. And those that have been married for 50 plus years, you're amazing. But the same thing with the gospel. The longer that you're a Christian, the longer you've been going through the motion, the more sermons you've heard, you actually forget that like being a Christian is amazing. Because we get into this task orientated, I've got to serve God, the burden of salvation that I've got to keep maintaining and I've got to stop sinning and all these thoughts I have and all of these things. It becomes like no fun. You hear what I'm saying? Can serving God be enjoyable? It must be enjoyable. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean there's not tears and hard times and that, but it's good news. When did it stop becoming good news? In all of these things, and uh, I don't want to get uh, political, uh, but we lost so much good news when we had to shut all the churches. Who agrees? The good news that was going out every week, consistently, consistently, consistently. Man, it became quite a dark time, right? But think about how amazing the gospel is. There are millions of churches meeting today, different time zones, different countries, different buildings, some underground, some on top of the ground, whatever it might be. And everybody's preaching different sermons. I bet you no two sermons are the same. Even they're preaching from the same scriptures. Because that's how inexhaustible the gospel is. That's how phenomenal it is. We could all, all those millions of churches could preach John 3.16. And it would all come out a little bit different. Because that's how deep and rich it is. And so I just want to focus on one little sliver of the gospel today. And just that one little sliver is a phenomenal piece of good news. And that sliver is, and I see my font has been changed. So I don't know how these are going to look, but God fixes. If you just remember that today, God fixes. Now, who here would be honest enough to say that you have got some messes in your life? Would you raise your hand? Wonderful. Then I'm preaching to the right people. Now, if you're like, no, I've got nothing wrong in my life. Man, then you need to come take this mic and tell us how you did it. Chances are you're hiding under your bed and not doing anything. Because anyone who's doing something, you are going to create some messes in your life. You agree? There's that scripture that uh, we love to quote that says, where there's life, talking about oxen in a barn, there's poop. <laughs> right? And it's true. We now have cattle, which I'll talk about next week, lots of poop. But the enjoyment of having life comes with messes as part of life. But we, we're trying to create this, this life that doesn't exist where everything's just so nicely packaged and there's no messes and there's no poop and there's none of these things, but it's impossible. A great life has a great amount of... See, look at you. You know this already. You step in it. You trip in it. Right, like the back to the future, you drive your car into the back of it and it falls all in your car and it's in your mouth. Some of us have been through that. 
You're like, life is terrible. No, there's moments. But God fixes. Say it with me. God fixes. For those of you who know me, you know I live a life that's um, interesting. We, uh, we make a lot of changes. We, we do crazy things. And, and I was thinking about this. I mean, we, I've moved countries uh, a few times. Uh, when we left Aspen, Joshua was three months old, right? We moved to South Africa, sold up everything, moved to South Africa. No plan for a job, nothing. With, with uh, two small kids, and we're just like, okay, we're going. And God's going to take care, man. And there were some moments where God was hiding. We're like, where are you? It didn't look like things were going to work out. But guess what? Things worked out. Not like we thought, whatever it is. But I'm standing here, so clearly they worked out. And then a little while later, we moved countries again. And then we moved cities. And then, you know, we've, we've I've left jobs with no... Uh, plan B for income, and I've done all these things, and the most recent crazy thing we did, our house that we put sweat and tears and everything to build, and the, the, we had to fire the contractor because he was a thief, and we had to build this ourselves, and I came home one day, and I said to my wife, we're selling the house, and we're moving to a farm, and she said, praise the Lord, no, she did not. We're pulling the kids out of their school that they've just gone to and made friends. And we are moving to a farm. And how many of you know my heritage of farming? Do you know? The lineage of farmers in my family is zero. We have no farming experience. We know nothing about farming. But with all these crazy things that I do, I always have this, this like belief that things are just going to work out. But how many of you know the saying, don't worry, things will work out? Do you know that saying? And how many have witnessed when things don't just work out? When things are a complete mess? That saying's not true. There's no guarantee that things are just going to work out. And so it got me thinking, why do I have this belief to do these crazy things? And my wife just trusts me. I'm like, okay, we are jumping off this bridge, and then we're going to swim 12 miles. And she's like, I'm with you. And I'm like, okay, well, you take the kids and we'll work this out. She's so gracious with me, but why do I have this belief that things are just going to work out? How many of you know the saying, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger? Next time somebody's in the ocean and there's a shark, shout to them, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It's a really bad saying. The odds are you're going to die, but if you don't die, you are going to be stronger. And in that instance with the shark, it's true. If you somehow manage to outswim the shark, I guarantee you, you will be a stronger swimmer at the end of that story. But what about all the people who don't make it out? What about the situations where we don't make it through? You're seeing these sayings, positive thinking, all of these things mean nothing if it's not based in somebody who can actually fix things. Because God fixes. And so I've been thinking a lot about this. I've taken some crazy risks in my life. And if you ever want to hear about it, you take my wife for coffee and she will make your heart race in the things that I've put our family through in the pursuit of, I'm not sure what, just living adventurously. Helen Keller said this, 
Life is either a daring adventure or nothing at all. Who knows that? What was Helen Keller's claim to fame? Does anybody know? She was blind, right? Deaf and blind. When you're deaf and blind, living all the way back there, every day is a daring adventure. Think about all the ways, all the challenges, all the hardships that she had to face. And this is what she said. I truly believe in the saying. I do believe that life is supposed to be an adventure. I do believe that God created us for adventure. And somewhere along the line, as a culture, we, we said, no, life is either safe or nothing at all. Think about it. We do so much stuff for safety. We've spoken about this before in the church. You know, those strollers that have airbags and if that's you. I didn't know that, so I'm not pointing you out. Don't email Steve after my sermon. So, but we are so intent on safety. Some of us are living like our life is that dinner china. You know that, that you get for a wedding and you put it in the cupboard and you never use it again. Pointless. And we're like so scared that we might get a scratch on what we call life or might get some damage on what we call life that we are missing the purpose of why it was created in the first place. Earth is not a pre-audition or an audition for heaven. The things that we are getting to do here on earth, it, it will be different in heaven. In heaven, we can't die. So there's, there's not much risk from what I understand. We get to experience that now. There's no fear in heaven. So when you're having to trust God while your heart is fearing and, and you're nervous, this is something very special that we won't get to do again. We'll get to encounter God here on earth that it will be different in heaven. Heaven's going to be incredible, but it's going to be different. You with me? We have this one life to live, and this is not a YOLO sermon. You only have one life, so go out and party it up and go ramp dirt bikes, double backflips, and all of those things. I'm not talking about the pursuit of pleasure, but the pursuit of purpose. Your life was made for purpose, but that purpose is tied into adventure. Now, each of our adventure might look different. But if you are not putting your life in a position that you are having to trust God, I humbly submit to you that you're not living the life that God intended for you. Because the life that God intended for you will have risk that you are having to trust in Him to accomplish. You with me? God fixes. Say it with me one more time. Well, not one more time. I'm going to make you say it a few more times. I believe that this aspect of the gospel has defined many of my choices and fueled my life. When I came to Aspen, I came with $2,400 and three suitcases. And I arrived with no plan on how I was going to get a job, a visa, or any of those other things. Just trusting that God would work it out. Where did that trust come from? It came from my childhood and watching what God did when we had no way for things to happen. My mom bought a failing business. Okay, That is not a wise decision. She bought a business that, that completely failed. And she's like, okay, we'll buy this business and then we'll trust God to make it work. They do not teach you that in Harvard Business School. And you know what? We watched him do it. 
She took a risk to step out as a single mom who couldn't get finance because she was divorced at that time in South Africa. Very difficult. Took a risk and we watched God take a risk and turn it into a blessing. And that business paid for so many things in our lives. We put an offer in on a house when we could barely afford to rent some place because my mom was trusting God that her children could have a house. Now, you're like, Brent, that sounds like prosperity gospel. Meet me after the sermon so I can thump you on the head and then explain to you. It's often rich people or people that have all their needs met that are looking down on the gospel as a place of provision. Go spend some time with people who are starving and can't pay their bills and don't have a place to stay and all of these things and realize that the gospel is so multifaceted. You may not need it to be provision, but the gospel is provision for those who need provision. What about the woman who had nothing and, and her husband had died. She's left with a child. She's going to you know, have her last meal and the prophet comes and guess what he offers her? Provision from God. But that's different to what God offered David when he went up against Goliath. He gave him supernatural accuracy with his stone. And that's what I'm saying. We get prideful in the position that we're in and we look and say, well, this is what the gospel is. No, my friend. The gospel is so big and such good news. You with me? But in this instance, God fixes. God fixes. Who here enjoys the Olympics? Tokyo 2020. I was so confused by the Olympics because I could have sworn we were in 2021. And I'm watching all this Tokyo 2020 on TV and I'm like, have I time traveled? What is going on? I thought we were in 2021 and then my wife had to go, no, we are in 2021. But uh, what is your favorite events of the Olympics? Shout them out for me. Rugby, which was new, right? Came back again. What else? Curling. Water ballet. Who said that? Come on. What did you say? The opening. Opening is phenomenal. What else? What other sports? Track and field. Always a crowd favorite. Gymnastics. That's my favorite too. But not for the reasons that you might think. I love to watch them wipe out. It's the only one that they go from... Let me see if I got this here. They go from looking so posh and and pristine and, uh, uh, you know, talented and perfect and everything like that. I mean, it's just amazing how they look when they start their routine. But you're waiting for it. You're waiting for it because you know it's coming. (laughs) You know it's coming. And it doesn't matter. They've been training all their life. And I know it's bad, you know, because you're like, now their dreams are shattered uh, because this has happened. But this is life and this is what I want to talk to you about. Many of us set out on our journeys and, oh, we are. Oh, man, we just look beautiful. We've got our nice outfits on and the crowd's waiting and there we are. We just look so good. And we step out and the next minute we find that our own butt is hitting us in the face somehow. And our legs are all twisted up and we're lying on the mat 
And we're going, what the heck just happened? Who's ever had a moment like that in their life? I want you to know that this is an important part of your life. And don't ever stop doing flips and jumps and running out on the mat because this might happen. This will happen and this must happen. And this is not a problem that this happens. Why? Because because God fixes this woman's listening. Somebody give her a candy or something. But because God fixes. And this is the aspect of God that I think I have experienced so many times again and again and again. But there's something that I love more than them wiping out in gymnastics. This is the inspiring part right here is that no matter what just went on that bed, I mean, they have rolled. Now their, their makeup's all over their face and their hair's a mess and their, their foot is stuck in their leotard or whatever it might be. And they, and, and they get up and then they go. <laughs> They've just been a complete mess all over the floor and people are sniggering and everything, but they get up. And that is what is so inspirational to me. That is the gospel right there. Let me tell you why. Because God fixes. No matter what just went on in my life, whether I caused it, whether the devil caused it, whether somebody else caused it, whether it was just a thing of life because this is a broken world and I I gather myself up off the floor And I'm not really sure because I was flipping four times and landed on my head and things are still spinning and I'll go. The act of surrender. Who's with me? And in in humility, they are bowing before the judges, right? Or they're saying like, okay, only you can judge me now. And you're like, okay, God, only you can judge me now. I'm not sure what just happened because I was running this way and now I'm lying in the grandstands. I don't even know how I got you, but... The act of surrender. Let me give you an example. Peter, a story we know well. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land. Say in trouble. For a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once and said, don't be afraid. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. No, that's not what he said. He said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Isn't that amazing? Why do we not fear when we are all tangled up and messed and afraid? Why? Because he's here. He is here. No, but Brent, you don't understand. You don't understand. I made a huge financial mess. I will never recover from this. Yes, in, in a scientific world, you won't. You will never recover from that. Also, you don't recover from storms. Storms don't just cease either. 
But Jesus said, take courage, not because you need to be braver. Be braver. Pull yourself up, right? Get up. Dust yourself off. No, it was none of those things. It wasn't a self-help lesson. Don't be afraid. Take courage. Why? Because I am here. I fix messes. God is saying to you today. And it's all different. Could be with your kids. You know, maybe you feel like you've, you've made a mistake with your kids and now God fixes messes. God fixes whatever it might be. And this is the phenomenal, uh, a phenomenal aspect of the gospel that we can't find anywhere else. We can't find this ability anywhere else in the world to restore and renew the way God does and to come through in a moment of hope. Did anybody ever watch um, Lord of the Rings? I remember watching, I can't remember which one it was, but they were in a castle and the enemy was coming. And you're sitting there as the person watching this and they say they've got a thousand soldiers and the enemy's got like a million. And you're watching them storm the gate and you're sitting there and you're eating your popcorn and you're feeling overwhelmed like they don't stand a chance. Like they are toast. There's no way out for them. And then like, as things are getting so bleak and so dark, Gandalf the White showed up and he reared his horse. And you're like, they are saved. Game on. Hear what I'm saying? That's how the disciples felt when the waves were crashing on them. I don't know how often you fear for your life like that you're going to die. But I've had a few of those moments. And I'm still here. So obviously God's come through in all of them. But the, but the thing is, we have had losses. We have had deaths. We've had all these things. But God fixes no matter what. God fixes. There have been things that have happened in my life that I did not think I would recover from. Who, who's had that feeling? Maybe you're right in the middle of that feeling. Like I just will never recover from this. You won't ever be who you were. That is true. But what God fixes, he makes better. You will come out an even better version that you never even imagined you could be. Your business, your uh, whatever the thing is that you are facing. Because God fixes. How about this one? In my desperation, I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. I've got, most of us get ourselves into trouble. The devil's like, what? You're blaming me? I had nothing to do with that. You did that all on your own. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how we got there. It doesn't matter if your intent was good. A lot of my mistakes have been with good intention. I wasn't out just trying to find pleasure and all of these things. Like I was trying to further the gospel and, and do good in the world. That doesn't mean that I'm, I'm uh, immune to making mistakes and trying to do good things. I've made plenty of mistakes just trying to do good. And then I'm like, what just happened? Like I went out to, to help people and now they, they're throwing rocks at me. They want to hurt me. How did I get to this place? <laughs> what a phenomenal aspect of the gospel that it doesn't matter at one point that God is there to rescue us. What about the prodigal son? Now, the prodigal son, 
I feel like I've lived this many times in my life. Not that I've walked away from God, but I just find myself in places that I didn't want to be. Remember it says he was feeding the pigs and he was longing for what the pigs were eating. We have pigs now. Let me tell you what. You don't want to be eating what they're eating. And then he remembered, right? He remembered his father. And he came up with a a new humble plan. Isn't it beautiful? doesn't matter how you just wiped out on the mat. It doesn't matter the people who are laughing at you. And pointing and saying, see, I told you so. I knew you weren't going to make it. And all those negative voices we have in, you silence them, and it's just before the judge. And he goes to put a score on you. And instead of looking at you, he looks at Jesus, who has never fallen down or wiped out. And you get a 10. What? And a 10. These guys are crazy. Didn't they just see what I did? Without the grace, the gospel is just another hard-working thing that we are doing. Now, I'm not saying just go out and be crazy and everything's going to work out. We do our best, but even in doing our best, we make a mess. I'm very hard on myself, something I'm working on. I'm much harder on myself than anybody can be on me because I feel like I've been given... Much privilege in my life. Not saying we had great wealth or anything like that, but we had a mom who, you know, showed us the gospel, and I feel very privileged to have had that. Uh, our childhood on paper was was not good, yet I loved my childhood. I was very happy. Um, but uh, I was at an event, and a guy came up to me and said, uh, "Brent, like they should make a movie about your life," and I'm like, "They did. It's called Jurassic Park." <laughs> and uh, it's like. And it goes on to talk about all the accomplishments and adventures and things in my life. And I'm listening to this guy and I'm like, wow, like they should make a movie. But that's not how I see my life. I see my life as failure, mistake, U-turn, set that on fire. You hear what I'm saying? When I'm looking at my life, because I've lived it. I've lived through all these things, hurt and, and, and this thing and that thing and this thing and this thing. But this guy looking from the outside is like, your life is amazing. You've done this. You've preached here. You've been on staff there. You started this business. You, you sold this. You moved countries. You He's looking at it so inspirational. And I'm like, wow, what a different perspective. And you know why he can see it like that? Because God fixes. God fixes. And we've got we to gotta receive that grace. We've got to receive that to be able to get up off the mat, do this, and then go on to our next routine and our next routine. And the people who are the most adventurous are the ones who make the most mistakes. And don't beat yourself up over it. It's okay. It's that, it's that humble position of the heart that takes us through life and takes us through life. You know the people that we recount in history, and we talk about them, these great, I mean, take Helen Keller, Right? For everything she did, we look at her like, wow. But I bet you if we went through her daily diary, we'd be like, she was a mess. Not every day was she like, life's an adventure. Some days she was like, life stinks. But that's what God does. He takes all of that stuff and he makes something beautiful in his time. And that's the kicker. We want it in our time. We want it to look a certain way. 
And many times it does not. But we have to know that in that humble position that God fixes. So I want to challenge you. For those, which is every person here, who have dreams in their heart, ideas, whatever it might be, to step out and go for it. I'm, I'm in the middle of one of those right now. Squirrel. How many of you know Squirrel? Right, this, this, this church app. I had built this for the church, you know, three years ago, and it was just meant to be for Sandbox Church. And during COVID, I realized just like how needed a communication app is that's not being censored and not being canceled and where freedom of, of information and protection and stuff like that can, can roll. And it's been incredibly difficult. I found myself in a daily place. Like, have I made a mistake? Adoption has been slow. You know, we've had to work through a myriad of bugs. I've taken on one of the biggest uh, things that you can do, a social media application. <coughs> it, is, it is one of the most expensive things that you can build. Maintaining it is incredibly expensive. All of these things. And then God gives us little moments. Do you know that there is an organization that is using Squirrel right now that is rescuing about 70 people a week out of Afghanistan using our app? Isn't that incredible? You know, and then you're like, okay, okay. Now Squirrel is going to be used to help getting women out of sex trafficked situations. Squirrel is being used to plant churches in countries hostile to the gospel. Thousands of pastors are being trained and helped through the app. But at the end of every month, I have massive expenses with very little income. When my wife and I decided to take this journey to the farm, we said we want to put ourselves in a position where we have to rely on God again. Because you know what? We got to the financial place where we did not have to. Who knows what I'm talking about? You can get to a place where you don't have to rely on God for every rent check and everything. And it's, it's not good for us. I'm not saying that everybody has to live poor. No, you can be blessed and rich and have all these things. And this is what we had to do. We had to position ourselves and our family into a place that we would have to trust God. And you know where it started? In praying over a little chicken that wasn't hatching. Because it doesn't matter how much money you have. You can't make a chicken hatch. In fact, everything we read on YouTube and, I mean, saw on YouTube and read on blogs and stuff is, you never help a chicken hatch. Right? They say, if it doesn't break out on its own, don't do anything. It's not good enough to come into this world. You know, it's going to have issues and whatever. And this, this little chicken was trying for two days. And we're like, no, we have to do something. And I don't know, maybe one o'clock in the morning or I don't know, whatever it was. My wife and I were there and she had tweezers and... And cotton balls, and, and we opening the egg, and we hatched this chicken. And what's his name? Luca. And he's running around, he's a rooster, he's running around on our ranch, nothing wrong with him. He's a beautiful bird. But you see, you see what I'm saying? We were praying over this chicken. Now, if that chicken lived or died, the world was carrying on. Like, Nobody's life was affected by that chicken surviving. Nobody came to faith, not one person. (laughs) 
No one was rescued out of sex trafficking. But you know what it did? It ignited our faith once again in that humble surrender before God, that life is meant to be a daring adventure on Him. Trusting Him. He's the adventure. Chasing after Him and going and saying, like Jonathan said to his, his armor bearer, like maybe God is going with us. Like there's a good chance He is, but He may not be, but we're going to try. And we've lived our lives like that. And some things God was right in the middle of what I was doing. And some things God was like, boy, I'm over here. What are you doing? Like, <laughs> I'm not in that at all. But the beautiful thing is, whether God was in it or not, I could come back to that place of surrender. And God fixes. Not once has he ever said to me, no, I'm not doing it this time. Like, you've passed 120, I'm done. I'm tired of fixing your stuff. No. Infinite energy. Infinite patience. He's not like us, where our kids wear us down, and on the fifth time, you're like, get in the car, I'm taking you to the orphanage. Okay? <laughs> he never does that. His love endures forever. But our position of humility... And I tell you what, there was a part of me that didn't want to do it. I didn't want to, I didn't want to like, I wanted to do it on my own. Who's ever had that feeling? Like, I just want to get it right for once. Like, I don't want to have to call my dad to bail me out again. But he came. And uh, I can't wait to tell you about more of this next week and uh, some of the things that are going on. But I challenge you. Those dreams, those ideas, step out. Almost 100% guarantee that what you step out to do won't work initially. And God will take it and he will tweak it and he will tweak it. And just when you think this thing's never going to work, he gives you a little hope like that, that organization using Squirrel to say like, no, no, I'm with you. We're doing this. You hear what I'm saying? Now there's uh, an organization, um, a Jewish prayer organization that got banned on Facebook that uh, we're talking to. It's like, come on, bring the Jews. <laughs> My great-grandfather was Jewish. He'd be very proud. His name was Moses Gold. If that's not a Jew, no Jew. <laughs> Ignite. The dreams, once again, step out. Don't worry about the failure. I'm telling you, you're not stepping out for selfish things. You're stepping out because you want to do good. You're stepping out because you, you want your life to matter and count and purpose and these things. And know that failure is 100% guaranteed in your story. But God fixes. We need you to fulfill your purpose. Because it brings, it brings God into this world when you achieve what he's created you to be. And you might spend a whole lifetime trying to find that, but at least you're trying. And in doing so, he's refining 
and moving. We at Denver Airport, I've got a mask on. This is so funny. My son and I are wrestling in the airport. My wife's like, stop it, stop it. And we're doing the Paso Doble. You know the Paso Doble? We watched this dancing movie in, in high school. It was so painful called Strictly Ballroom. We had to, anyway, I was showing that to my daughter and it starts off like this. And, and so we're laughing and, and he's poking me in the chest and I'm pushing him on the filthy floor and all of the stuff's going on. And the woman says, excuse me, uh, you preached a sermon eight years ago at Second Baptist Church and I still remember it today. And I've like got him by the neck <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> And I've got my mask on. How did she know? She's like, I remember your voice. And then I like step on his face and I'm like, thank you. Thank you. We never know the things that we don't even count. The things that we don't even reckon are making a difference just because we are trying. And God takes those things and he turns it into something beautiful. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.